0: Hey gang, welcome to episode 34 of the No Persinium podcast, your podcast about immersive theater and its ilk. I'm your host, Noah Nelson. Hey, for this episode of the podcast, we've got Paul Stein, creator of The Car Plays, Uh, which he created when he was the artistic director of Moving Arts here in L.A. Also along is Lem Thornton, who is uh, he's one of the production masterminds there over at Moving Arts. Uh, I met him down at the WOW Festival this year. The Car Plays was one of my favorite things at uh, the WOW Fest. The WOW Fest being the Without Walls Festival that's held every other year at the La Jolla Playhouse on the campus of UC San Diego. It's a very popular part of the festival. It uh, comes back pr- almost every time, and they change it up every time. We go in-depth about that, so we'll save that. But first, as always, the news and notes. Um, Hey, uh, I've seen a couple of shows. There is a new review up today of a piece called uh, Partuit Par, oh boy, I am not going to be able to say it. Uh, it's partuition. I don't... I should like listen to one of those pronunciation guys, but I'm just I'm in a grumpy mood today, so I didn't bother to do the pronunciation research. Uh, and it's deliberately hard. It uh, it's about birth, uh, and it's related to partum, like postpartum depression. Uh, that's not what the piece is about. The piece is about birthing, about the birthing experience. Uh, it is an immersive from the folks who made uh, "Fear is What We Learned Here." Uh, there's, uh, there's a nice tidy little bit up at the medium, that's medium.com slash no dash proscenium. And I think, uh, you should go read it. There's a little bit of, I don't want to say a rant, but there's a discussion of the price of the piece. Um, this piece is running in NoHo right now. Uh, it's got a four night run, uh, tonight, Saturday, Sunday are the last runs. Uh, it's about 25 to 30 minutes of, of the full experience it is $50. Um, I feel that price is probably in line with the haunt tradition, which uh, this is coming out of. Uh, but compared to immersive theater, uh, it's kind of like, whoa. It is uh, fully focused on the one-on-one experience. Uh, and I guess, I guess I'm guess i having this discussion. Um, I started a first draft of my feelings about the price uh, on Twitter. And I felt I got, you know, disclosure, I got a press pass to it. Uh, that I was invited to come see the show, uh, and I was definitely impressed. I I, I I felt great coming out of it. Uh, it was really interesting. Uh, it was moving, uh, which is what we look. We look for experiences that do that. I think that they've screens got, uh, screenshot productions, which is the company behind it. I think they've made a really beautiful piece here. Um, there's a, some lovely one-on-one work, and it's definitely an experience. I had no idea how much it cost while I was going through it. That is the Luxury and privilege and distortion of being in the press Um, found out the next day. It was 50 and I really thought about it. Like how would I feel about this show if I had paid $50 for it? now I In a in a in a different life I would be a patron of the arts type person i would be just you know writing checks like if i'd won that powerball woo and yeah i'm dumb enough to play the powerball ball because guess what uh, the entire economy is a casino but that's neither here nor there um i just i would just be writing checks to people who had interesting ideas and saying go make it and then i'd be like building my own stuff which would be doomed to fail but who cares because infinite money right Um, That is not the reality we live in, and it's not the reality for a lot of the artists out there. And trying to find a way to make this stuff financially sustainable is the big problem. And when you're dealing with stuff that is focused on an individual, well, the math gets a little funky. And it was later in the day on Thursday, I'll admit it was when i finally taking my shower... (laughs) Why not? I was thinking about it. I was still thinking about like, how would I feel with this price? Right. You know, I mean, these are the thoughts I have. I'm just thinking about you guys all the time in the most inappropriate places. Um, I was thinking about it and uh, I came to terms with uh, it in this way. You know how there are shows where it'll be like, Hey, the ticket's $25. And if you want to donate some more money, that's great. Like pay extra to help us cover the costs. A lot of companies do that. Um, some could say it's because they feel embarrassed to ask what they think it's worth. Some could say it's because they're scared of selling nothing at all if they don't set the price lower. There's, there's a magic math here. My suspicion is that um, if there's any profit being taken on this one, it's probably relatively minor. Um, even if you did the full math, um, there's not that much cash that can come out from ticket sales alone in a real sense, you know, no one's being, making bank, no one's getting rich off this show. Uh, once I went through that mental process, I said to myself, you know, if I, if I knew this was the kind of thing I was into and going into it, I didn't know whether or not I was, I had some trepidation. Um, I would have gladly paid the price. I would have liked it to have been a little longer I would have liked it to have felt a little more individuated than it did. Uh, they they advertise as being highly individuated, individualized. Um, I compared notes with someone who had done it right before me. Uh, and we were like, mm, we had the same experience more or less. Uh, and, and there were questions asked. But um, nevertheless, I enjoyed it. And if if the true cost for artists to make a 30-minute piece for one person is $50. Um, When, you know, a rental of a location and gear and whatnot is all considered, uh, then so be it, Jedi. Uh, That's what it costs. That's what's needed. Um, It may not be the kind of thing that I, if I didn't have press access, could afford to do, and then I'd feel left out. But we're talking about one-on-one experiences. We're talking about something uh, that is very unique and is just, it it costs. There are, anyway, there's a whole thing on this. I do hope to have them on the show. I hope I haven't spooked them out by talking openly about this stuff. But hey, you know what? We examine these things uh, all together. Saw other stuff this week. Uh, Over the weekend, saw the Plummer Project, which is um, the La Habra High School Theater Arts Guild uh, does immersive theater. Uh, They did a piece down in Fullerton uh, at the Plummer Auditorium about the Plummer Auditorium, about the history of Fullerton. So you had a little bit of a living history thing. Look, this was better than... Uh, A lot of college theater I've seen, better than a lot of fringe shows I've seen, dare I say it, even better than some of the immersives I've seen in L.A., Uh, and it's high school theater. So step your game up, people, and that is not a punch at what the high schoolers are doing. It's a punch at y'all. This was really much better than had any business being. Uh, I'm super impressed. Uh, I hope I get to talk to the teacher and the kids at some point. I got invited down, uh, and that may be in the uh, the cards. And uh, look, uh, it makes me excited beyond all belief, and I will write about this on No Pristinium, that there's high school students out there who are learning the craft of acting, and their initial experiences include immersive. Fantastic. Just, just fantastic. I'm having a really bad day and I'm thinking about this right now and I'm getting excited. So this is great. Thinking about this makes me happy. Thinking about uh, the beautiful moments in part tuition, uh makes me happy. Hey, you know what else makes me happy? Uh, surprises. Uh, surprises like a second issue of the San Francisco uh, newsletter. Actually, I hope it didn't spook anybody because it's been once a month, but uh, Albert found so much stuff going on up in SF that he decided to put another issue out Uh, I'm going to throw that into the Facebook feed soon enough so if you missed it or you haven't seen it you can get it there it went up last night Uh, there's definitely some interesting stuff going on I can't remember exactly at the moment because uh, rough morning and blanked it from my head Um, sorry I know you know these sections are just TMI it's because I listened to too many Mark Marons I don't I don't on a regular basis anymore but I learned every bad habit I have as a podcaster from him fact, haven't we learned all of our bad habits from Mark Maron? That's neither here nor there. Um, what else is up in there in the world? I apologize for that uh, lip-smacking sound. I know that's annoying, uh, but I'm not going to cut it out because now I've talked about it. Uh, there's, there's something on the horizon. There's something out there in the world. There's, oh, right, the grand paradise. After some delays, thanks to those pesky permits the grand paradise is starting its run this weekend in new york city i'm super jealous of you i'm super jealous of you zay i'm super jealous of schvann and everyone else he's in new york has become romper room uh who gets to go out and see it uh please do we're going to be talking about it at some point on the podcast i need to get my butt to new york how's that going to happen i don't know that's not your worry it's my worry um what else is on here? Oh, uh, the Speakeasy Society has done a little run of The Stronger. Uh, people are loving it. Why wouldn't they? It's a speakeasy society. It's The Stronger. If uh, if there weren't so few slots for it, I would go and do it again myself. But that would just be me being greedy. Um, the world is full of surprises. Uh, there's more shows coming. Uh, Annie Saunders is workshopping a piece uh, here in L.A. over at the Getty Villa uh, that's coming up in February. Uh, she's got an immersive plan for it going forward. It's it's a great time. It's just a great time. It's a great time for the art, and um, we're excited to be here and doing this. We've got two two new newsletters that are going to be coming February, March, most likely. Definitely March. Uh and uh, I'm looking forward to getting those into you guys' hands. That means we'll be up to five. Five newsletters. Ridiculous. We are going to hit a point in the not-too-distant future, I hope, where we run up against the limits of the free version of MailChimp, which is what we've been running this thing on, uh, when that day comes you know what you need to do you need to go to patreon.com slash no oh you knew it was coming and uh throw us a dollar a month just a dollar a month makes the whole machine work that's it now we're going to talk about the car plays and you get to stop listening to just me hey gang that was the cold open which you're used to by now and right now i have paul and lem from moving arts uh i guess paul's Paul was with moving arts. I was with moving arts. Yeah. yeah, but he's he's the creator of the car plays, right. uh, and uh, that's what we're talking about today. Because way back at Wildfest, uh, as I said in the beginning, uh, I got to check it out. and It was one of my favorite things there. And I guess Paul, um, maybe you could just you know, we'll start there. Or start with the the origin. Like, sure. Well, what's the what's the secret origin of the car plays? <laughs>
1: well, there's a there's a practicality and there's a creative side to it. Uh, Practicality was I was the artistic director of Moving Arts, I guess, about 10 years ago, mm. over 10 years ago. And uh, we lost our performance base. So uh, Moving Arts Theatre Company is a resident theatre company here in Los Angeles. I think they've been around for almost 20 years now. Mm. And they focus you know, primarily on new work, original work, new work. And... Um, and I had taken over as artistic director of the company in um, 2005. And six months later, we lost our performance space. Mm. Uh, we had this great space in downtown LA as part of the LA Theater Center. And it was taken over, and they said, you know, unfortunately, you need to move out. So at the time, we had oh, about 25 members in the resident ensemble company mm. writers, actors, a few directors, a couple producers, stage manager. So I had to figure out a way to continue to produce work regardless of theater space. Yeah. So, I had, I had the idea for a while. I was born in New York, but I grew up here in Los Angeles, and I've always seen a million cars and always stuck in traffic. And, uh, you know, the one story that I tell a lot that created the maybe the creative inspiration part of it was I was walking in Los Angeles, rare, and this car was parked um, uh, by the curb, and this couple was in the front seat, and they were arguing. And they were arguing uh, with sign language. They were doing American Sign. Oh, so wow. I couldn't, obviously I didn't hear them, but yeah. they were so animated and so vocal, and I was walking close to the car, I actually kind of just kind of, as a voyeur, was watching through the windshield, because I didn't, I, I don't know sign language, yeah. but I was trying to figure out, who has the power? What is the argument about? Who's apologizing? Who's not? So I was there for a good five or six minutes <laughs> watching these people wave their hands back and forth. Luckily, inside. they had something yes. they had to look at, so they couldn't <laughs> yes. see. You creeping they couldn't on see them. me going, "Who's that creepy man?" <laughs> Ooh, Esterica, what's mate. going on? <laughs> and I just always, you know, bank that in, in the back of my head, going, you know, I would want to have an experience like that of. Being almost a voyeur in in watching something uh, to that proximity yeah. and that closeness of it, yeah. So that was one of the reasons was you know we lost our theater space. We needed to find a creative way, a creative outlet to keep the company going and to do something. Um, and then at the time, a lot of theater companies, and still to this day in Los Angeles, they're losing their brick and mortar space. And I think. I grew up in L.A., and it's such a transient city, so I also wanted to kind of comment on the nature of Los Angeles and why things just seem to come and go as they are. And there's so much history here in L.A., but it's always torn down. Something up is put in its place. Something is not remembered, and I just felt that was an important thing. Regardless of a building, you can obviously create work and create art. And that's how it kind of started. So I got the company together, told them this idea that I had of let's do plays instead of cars. They kind of looked at me very strangely. Some were very forward, some weren't. And then we just kind of started the process. And what was great about it was that there were writers in the company, so it was a lot of trial and error. So we'd start writing it, and then we found that certain things could work and certain things couldn't. So we all of a sudden started coming up with these guidelines, knowing that the plays had to be short. They had to be 10 minutes. We had to figure out how many cars are going to be in the row what would you know can we do this and make it an hour show what are some of the advantages of because of the of the um, closeness of the audience do these plays have to be more realistic than not so we started coming up with these guidelines it's like these events have to take place in a car why does this story can only take place in a car versus it could be in a starbucks it could be at a kitchen table it could be somewhere else Finding certain plays like farces with doors coming in and out and nine or ten people coming in and out of cars, almost like a clown car, that's not necessarily gonna, kinda work as well. So I think a lot of the plays definitely tend to skew more towards realistic and naturalistic, but we've obviously had magical realism plays that have been involved and plays that have definitely um, slid on that line between the, the two worlds. But the strongest thing is why is the car... Important in story yeah. and and in the event
0: well, one of the one of the sequences. I saw down at the wow fest the Every single one of the plays was Linked correct and uh, is that usual or that was the
1: first time we actually did that oh wow so we've done I think lem right I mean us working on it together. We've done about four or five productions are already together
2: Yeah, five least. six something like that.
1: Yeah, so um for this year's Wild WOW Fest, I, I pitched the Playhouse just this idea. Because I always feel like people come to the event, and the first thing is, this is really fun. You yeah. know, I, I drive an hour to come to a parking lot to then get back <laughs> in a car and, and watch people act. So there, there's that, I've never been to a show like this. Or this show, it really is very inventive and a lot of fun. So yeah. we get a lot of kudos for that. Second thing is just the actors. The fact that these actors have to basically do their show five times an hour... 15 times a day yeah. uh, for an audience of two and constantly doing over and over it with with that closeness yeah. and some of the shows you know really ask a lot of the actors and so they so the audiences are always complimenting the actors and the direction and the creativity and i feel that the writer always gets like the last pat on the back yeah they're like oh that was a good job you know yeah. thanks <laughs> thanks for you know playing along with us you know so i i felt that It's really hard to write a 10-minute play, and it's also really hard to have a guideline of, it has to be in a parked car, and it has to be in the proximity of here, and it has to be this and that. And so I was like, I would like to see if we can link these plays. If there's a way that a row can actually have one storyline, one narrative. And we started by, I had five writers that I thought would work well together, which was important, and treated it like a writer's room. Yeah. where I was almost like the showrunner or producer and I said and the first idea was we had this murder plot and I said I'd like to see if we can investigate this and it's like how do we then make how, how does this work because the audience not every audience starts at the same time or exactly. with the same car yeah so these plays had to have the flexibility of being told out of order and being told in what whichever order which is really hard for a mystery or, or a murder plot um, and uh, so then we and uh, so then we just started coming up with ideas and, and building a narrative and, and and having a backstory and almost creating like a bible for for all the characters and coming up with the characters, and uh, almost like having each car be an episode. Yeah. In a through line, um, and we were jumping timelines too um, with the murder plot row. It was over twenty years. So that was something of, of, will the audience understand the jump in timeline? Mm. If we get an older model car, the audience will obviously pick up on that, which, yeah. which, which we did, uh, or using names or using keys. So that was something that I wanted to try this time. Because usually in the past, it would be five plays. And we tried to give a nice sample. There'd be a comedy, a drama, a suspense, a play that would break the fourth wall with the audience, where you're talking directly to them um all and also maybe a, a play that would have the audience not necessarily sitting in the back seat but maybe them having a split one in the front seat one in the back or both in the front seat so that was pretty much the model that i would try to do and um you know the the playing area is usually a parking lot um yeah, or it's always been a parking lot. <laughs> I should say, we're not driving somewhere else, but it's been a parking lot. And it's been between 15 and 20 cars. Yeah. So you're trying to find a nice mix for an audience to come in um, to see a, a variety of plays. It's almost like seeing a one-act festival. Yeah. Right? Um, but this time, yeah, we, we decided to have each row be a theme. So one row was a murder plot row, one, one was love, and another one was a, an accident, and actually like an event. Event-driven. Yeah. Uh, row.
0: I got I got the accent and I got love. Yeah. Uh, both. And and for me, what was interesting was being like a comic book nerd. It felt like a successful attempt at a non-linear company-wide crossover okay. because you have these different writer voices, but you have a key inciting incident, and everything spins off from there, and you start to see how these things are are affecting the characters lives and they did have different times I think two of them took place well after the accident right. mm-hmm. one of them was just after the accident two of, one of them was right before and one of them was the slow motion of the accident and depending on where you were when you loaded in you got uh, different levels of sort of suspense like you got immersed in you had no idea what was going on and then Um, what was my sequence? My sequence was like dealing with the heart transplant Mm -hmm. then it was the mother and daughter of the witness then it was the guy who wound up dying then it was the dad who wound up uh, his daughter wound up dying and then it was the you're in an Uber with uh, the guy who's trying to like see his family before they get deported and you're stuck in the traffic jam that was caused by the accident and it's it was it was wonderful because the the first that sequence meant, I didn't realize at first, that so the first two were really linked. By the third one, I was like, oh my god, mm-hmm. they're linked. And by the fourth one, it's like, and just, just wider and wider and wider, and just this idea that there are these multiple perspectives on a singular moment, which is something that in our, in our internet age seems like something that storytelling as a whole is always struggling with. Because people are constantly finding ways to either and it's a great thing to I don't want to say like undermine the given narrative, but mm-hmm. but yeah, in like in a in a good way. You know, you look at something like Making a Murderer, and within five minutes everyone's, you know, deconstructed it and started like, well, what are the filmmakers not telling us? What are these documentary and stuff? What's the missing part? And this idea that what you see may not be all that there is, and that's something that the net has made very present in our lives all the time. And a, and a you know most linear three act structure movies or television shows, you know they don't they don't care. You know right. even when an a b c structure, they don't necessarily have things weaving together. Okay. Or thinking about um, because I know you 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 mentioned the Comedy Central stage, and and I was just thinking about the way. This, this nonlinear thing was exactly what Arrested Development wanted to do in Netflix but like didn't quite manage to pull mm. off like the first time like the idea was like each one was going to be this little slice and all together it was going to add up to something and then no it didn't <laughs> yeah. it, it did but it didn't yeah. um, is is that now that you've done that now that you know it works is is that something you want to keep on playing with or is the fun here to as you inevitably come back around because of how popular it is to try another another angle on this this uh, this beast. Lem? <laughs> oh. I don't know. I'm really
2: just more of like I guess I feel like I'm more of like a nuts and bolts like on the ground kind of guy. And Paul's really the, the creative mastermind behind all of the uh, car plays, especially with sort of setting up the rows of, of what are the what are the plays and what are the stories we're telling. Um, I mean, but if I, had to pick or, you know, if I had to pick it, I would definitely say it seemed like this was a a major success. You know, for yeah. the third time that we've been at uh, Wildfest, wow uh, people seem to really respond to having a sort of a, a link between the five the five uh, cars. Yeah. You know, and so I think that's yeah. something that would be worth kind of keep on playing with. I think the challenge is obviously never to do more of the
1: same, right? Um, if if possible, and um you know the car plays you you'll get new actors or you'll get new writers or you'll get new directors and 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 they bring their their own aesthetic or their, their own excitement to the project and they're very uh, excited to be part of it and, and and that's infectious you know I mean that's great to have um, but I think it, it was important of trying to see if we can kind of tell a story yeah. that it, it's not necessarily um, The immersive experience and only the immersive experience of watching two people act in a car and you're sitting there with them that there was something more that was linking all of us together Um, you know i I always think when when you take the subway in la or more in in new york city everybody is on that um on that stop and you see the same people kind of daily because they're all trying to catch that same train but when you're driving in a car and you're hitting rush hour traffic and you're going at the same time you rarely see the same people in that car, you know, in the lanes on either side of you. But it's always the same going to the same destination, right? We're always going to somewhere. So in a weird way, we are linked in in some way. So I, I just wanted to kind of maybe capture that subway stop feel of seeing the same people Going on the same direction yeah. on a daily yeah. basis, which Los Angeles you rarely get because we're all individually in our own little can, driving in our own little lane, going in our own little destination. Yeah. And you look over the right or left, and you just see somebody just briefly, and then you'll likely never see them again on that freeway at that moment.
0: That yeah. is that is the thing about being on public transportation. You start to narrativize the exactly the <laughs> exactly you know? exactly
1: yeah. you know, and and you see them, and uh, you see what they're wearing or a lot of times like somebody has like a backpack or a bag and it will have a button on it it's like oh that's kind of odd I didn't I didn't picture that person as as that type of uh, sports fan or that type of comic book fan or something you know and and then you start thinking of of who they are
0: yeah you start to you learn their body language you know when they're having a good day you know having (laughs) a bad day you you see them in a completely different context because like you're somewhere out on a different spur of the I was I grew up in the Bay Area and we had Bart and there was someone who was on my school bus every day. She was gonna be like six years older than me, so she was like college-aged. And then, like when I was in college, like I, I ran into her like way on a different spur of, of the subway, and I was like, "What the hell is she doing out here?" Like, it was it was it was disorienting and yet delightful at the same time. Yeah. It was like, yeah. "Oh, that person I see all the time," you know? Like, "Whoa, weird." Yeah. Um, and and you start to then it's like seeing like I exactly you were saying like at the button. It's like I didn't know their life took them out here to Walnut right. Creek, like. Jeez, like my life never takes me out here like like what are the odds yeah. um but kind of you know, the, the flip side of that is so few people get the privilege of seeing this show so even though there's there's the always a drive on your guys' part to like okay let's not let's not do the same trick right the, the potential exists to just be mm-hmm. like hey let's go take cycle a from this one and cycle b from that right. one and let's right. like stage it so like right. does that I mean, is this the logistics of getting all those cars, the thing, and a space to park them? The thing that stops that from being like a quarterly event? Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah yeah. I mean it's the size and, and scope of it mm-hmm. because you know the production. If if you have fifteen cars, then you have a minimum of usually thirty actors. You know there'll will be some plays that'll be a solo play with uh, one actor in it, uh, or some will have two or three. we'll have three or four. So the numbers of, of, of an acting ensemble is between you know 29 to 35 people yeah. that, that you have to bring together. And then before, when we did it individually, like this last time at the Playhouse where it was each a narrative row, we had one director direct the entire row. Mm. Well, in the past, we would get 15 directors, yeah. each directing their 10-minute play. So that's adding up numbers. So you're 40 people. Yeah. Then we have the five producers. You're at 45. Then you have... Stage managers and car hops. So you're looking at at a company of fifty people yeah. that you're trying to come together to put on this show. Once everybody is kind of on board, then you let them know these are the performance dates and these are when we're doing the tech and this is what's going on. Dress rehearsals and everybody is obviously there and everybody wants to commit to it and it, and it's a really fun show and people enjoy it. But I think the size of it, it gets a little bit. Uh, up organizationally, it's it's difficult at times, and then and then when we mentioned about just trying to fit the plays in the row, it's almost like a jigsaw puzzle, mm. because a lot of the plays, you know, not all the uh, actors start in the play; they'll come from where where, where their offstage area is. The play will start at, at various stages. So some plays, the actors are inside the audience, and you're loading the the uh, the actors are in the cars, and you're loading loading the audience in where they're coming to that. So just You know, looking and trying to stage the map of it of where people are all going, coming and going and crossing, that could be a very
2: nice, interesting jigsaw puzzle. So, and also though, there's the the whole car casting too, because we could get you you can't just get thirty random cars and call it a day. You know, the cars are also so an important character to each piece. Um, Whether it's really specific, like in some plays, we had that taxi that was really specific in a play that we did a few years ago, um, or you know, not a specific, but like we had the two, we had to have two matching cars, um, mm. or like the we had the uh, what was that the one with at the back of the love row this year, the the classic car. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. so like finding yeah. those pieces, um, or those cars, those characters yeah. to also just sort of adds another level of craziness. Yeah, it's just it's just the nuts and bolts producing, which you know.
0: Well, how, how long from, from knowing that you're going to... I mean, the WoW Fest is slightly different in that, you know, that has a set number of dates. And usually it's like a year ahead they knew when they were... Not quite a year, but like close to a year ahead they knew when they were they were doing it. Um, from knowing when you're going to launch it, working back, like how long does it take to pull together?
1: Well, I, had, I had pitched the Playhouse in April of 2014. I said, mm. I said, are you guys doing the Wild Festival in 2015? They go, yeah, we're in the fall and stuff. They go, yeah, you, you want to do car plays again? I go, well, I'd like to, but I'd like to do a different twist with it. And I told them, I told them the idea. And this right. was before anything had really been, been even written. It was just I had kind of come up with some ideas for a possible narrative outlines. And, and they go, well, that sounds really interesting. Could you send us, you know, uh, once you start writing, you know, can you send us a row so we can kind of take a look at it? And then we got um, playwrights in the room in the summer, and I think I sent them the first draft of scripts a year before the festival. Oh, wow. um, and that was kind of when it started, and then I, we started getting more writers together and pitching the ideas together and finding, like I said, five writers that I thought would work well together in the group, and then we just started meeting. So I think the Love Row, they wrote three drafts of their script, and, and one of the playwrights, I think I made him, he, he had multiple stop-starts, so I think he wrote four different plays. To really fit in the row. Oh wow! Um, so kudos to him to kind of do that. And the fourth one, he really wrote it from the heart, and I thought it was his best writing, you know, um, in years. You know, it was I was really proud of him. So for that in the creative process, I think it, it it took a year. Once they said yes, I think it was six months prior to mm-hmm. then starting to do the organizational of this is what we need to figure out. Um, auditions and we went to the playoffs and this year we used only san diego actors mm-hmm. yeah so we had to go down and and do the auditions i think in may and the show was in october um wow. so yeah. a lot of a, a, a lot of lead up to it yeah. a lot of lead up you know i mean san diego is such a wonderful theater town that they wanted to do it so early because they were afraid that a lot of the choice actors would definitely be pulled away with with other projects so that's why, like they said to us, you know, try to get those auditions early. So I think we were there in May, and then we had callbacks in June.
0: So. Sourcing the cars—how long did that take? Because that's, I mean, that's the equivalent of like finding thirty miniature venues yeah. from a certain point of view.
2: Um, I don't know exactly how long that took. I mean, CC really, CCTO is another producer on CarPlays really sort of took the reins on that. But I mean, I know we were picking up rental cars the day of tech, and then returning rental cars the day of the first performance and swapping them out with other cars because they didn't fit or they didn't work right. I mean, one of the important, sort of important pieces, I think, is uh, for just sort of like sight lines is that the headrests are supposed to be able to come off so that the audience can see the actors and all of a sudden you realize, like, oh, the the headrests don't come out of this car and now what do we do? Like, either the actors try to, you know, twist around a, a lot more or do we just find another car and I think that's what we did um, was sort of a mix of both of those things uh, this last time that we were down yeah. there.
1: And I think it's also, you know, you're, you're an actor, you're, you know, you're working in a rehearsal room, and then you get on that set for the first time, and then you feel like everything I worked in the rehearsal room for the last two and a half weeks or three weeks goes out the window because now I'm doing different levels or different furniture. Well, same thing with a car. Like yeah. You'll get actors that are rehearsing in their own personal cars that are not being used for the production. Once mm-hmm. they get into that quote-unquote show car, then all of a sudden, the seat's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, the visuals are a little bit different. Uh, the feel of the car is a little bit different. Uh, so we try to let them rehearse, actually, in the space. Yeah.
0: Um, sort of like when you, you finally get costume in, in correct. traditionally. It's correct. It's like, you know, everything you were doing, it's like, oh, my arm does not move the way yeah. it did before. Right. And it starts to inform your character yeah. in, in a totally different way. You yeah. find gestures. Well, and, and and the intimacy of the space is Like what's what's interesting to me about all of the... All of this sort of immersive, intimate performance, the acting rides this line between traditional theater and film, because you've got this potential of effectively the close-up. And for actors, I find that people, they need to sort of be able to go between the two modes Mm -hmm. almost seamlessly because there's a massive difference between standing on a stage and projecting to the back row and, you know, doing what we're doing right now, which is like right. across from the table. It just would not read the same. Like, I don't have to get as big. I start to seem cartoonish when I, like, open my eyes and get my voice going. And and is there... You, you cast really early and you cast a uh, San Diego theater scene, but is is there sort of a filmic quality in, in the acting for these the actors that you're looking for? Is that something the directors tend to kind of bring them towards? I'm just... I'm, it's maybe the thing that in, in all immersives I'm like most interested in is like the craft for the actors. I think you know, with,
1: when, we, when we do the show in Los Angeles or we use a lot of L.A.-based actors, they have the experience of hopefully not on wood to shoot a commercial or to shoot a, a television spot or something. So they have that on-camera experience. You know, A few of the San Diego actors, for the very first time we went down there, they were very big. They were very big inside the car. Um, so I'll do a producer run-through where I'll, I'll watch the show and I'll just sit there, you know, probably about a week and a half, you know, before opening and just give notes to the director and just try to, you know, thank the actors and just see what type of work that they're doing. And a couple of times is, yeah, the, you're, you're being too big in the space. It's, it's learn your space. It's also... Um, how loud? Because the sound mm. is not allowed to carry. You know, we, we we do put the windows down a little bit if it's you know just for air and and for claustrophobia's sake. When you came, you know, La Jolla decided to have a heat wave. It was hundred sure so all the windows were down. You know, because we didn't want to kill anybody. You know,
0: but the evening the, the closer to evening shows were really nice. Yeah, yeah. So
1: the actors didn't realize that that your sound is bouncing off of. Your car roof, which is only two feet ahead of you, yeah. mm-hmm. versus a, a, a regular theater space yeah. that has that room to carry. So those were notes of just kind of giving to them. It's like you can bring it down. You can yeah. bring even your your vocal quality down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I you know for me as 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 the artistic director when I was at Moving Arts I wanted the acting ensemble to reach a different type of acting level. I was seeing something of almost. Uh, at when I joined it, at the time, you know, things that my aesthetic, mm-hmm. um, a more naturalistic type of feel. Um, um, so that's what I was trying to go for, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and what I appreciate and what I like. I also like that freedom that an actor has the ability to. If that take didn't work, I get to do it again with a different audience of two Yeah. Right off the bat. Yeah. So when I direct a car play, we'll definitely set it. Um, you know, uh, and we'll say you need to trust your other scene partner in the show. But if you want to try things that are within the beats of what we've set in the play, I want you to have the freedom as the actor to do that, especially since you're doing it so many times. yeah. And it, 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 and you're doing it in such a concentrated amount of time. You're not doing a long run that takes place over six months of doing 150 performances. You're doing it over 10 days. You're going to do 150 performances. Mm-hmm. So within that short time, I always tell my actors when, when I'm directing a car play, you have the freedom to explore, to experiment, because you're going to get different responses from that audience yeah. so immediate. And how do you do a car play, uh, a comedy, for an audience of two? How will an audience react differently in the daytime versus that comfortability of being in a darkened theater where they can kind of be a voyeur and just watch, and, and they can really you know, explore and, and let out whatever expressions or verbal expressions that, that, that come from them? Well, when the sun is out, Sometimes audiences get a little tight. Yeah. So, yeah. Some, sometimes audiences feel because they can really see them, and the actors can really see the audience. Yeah. Well, when we do the show at night, we're just using ambient light from a parking lot or any you know external lighting that like we put up. So there is those darkened shadows where an audience can kind of creep in the back seat and watch what's kind of going on, and they do kind of see things and 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 have more verbal responses or vocal responses. Yeah. The great thing is that the the audiences will come up to actors after the show like when everybody we give the applause everybody's walking away and they'll go you were so wonderful i was as afraid if i applauded or if i laughed or if i or if i said anything or i gasped that i was going to throw off your concentration and yeah. and, and i didn't and i didn't want to and i'm yeah. so sorry and the actors like it's okay it's fine you know and and we'll tell the actors that we'll we'll tell them that don't worry if you're not getting that verbal response yeah. from them that immediate
0: laugh even even though I see this stuff more than the average human being does, like last night I was at uh, I was at a high school immersive production in Fullerton that was using the Plummer Auditorium. Even though it was a, it was not the Fullerton High, it was a different high school that had come in and to do a piece that was essentially like a living theater piece. But like each each cycle ended with everyone on the the main stage in the auditorium after kind of going all all around, and at the end it was like oh do. Do we applaud or not? You know, because it's not you've been standing next to people. If it, it's it you, you might applaud in like a bar if like someone's like playing a song or like applaud for a busker, but the relationship does change because it's like, well, you're you're a person. Like if it's working well enough, it's it um, even when it's something like Sleep No More that is very stylized, it's still like, well you almost don't wanna break the spell of what was just created. Um, you, but you then also feel bad because it's like if it's really good, you, you want to give that feedback instantly. Mm. You're like, oh, right. that was really right. good. Right. Yeah. Although, also strangely enough, with the cycle, like you see one, you're like, oh, that was okay, and then the next one is really good. It's like I don't, I don't want the others to know them. I'm right. clapping. <laughs> they don't know that I clap, so <laughs> I don't want them to know that I clap. I don't want them to feel bad. Um, let uh, maybe want to dig down into this this issue. It's becoming a theme this year, unfortunately, about companies losing their spaces Mm. um so maybe maybe having lived through that when you were with moving arts and and finding this solution like is there any kind of you know lessons in terms of doing this sort of non-traditional staging has has there been anything else moving arts has done other than the car plays in terms of this structure
2: yes yeah i'm trying to remember what it was oh well we do our our holiday party the last three years um at this house in the Hollywood Hills, and there's four or five plays um, throughout the house. Uh, I feel like there was... we did something at the Natural History Museum yeah. called Arachnatopia. Arachnatopia, I think, and that was like eight different plays that you could kind of follow. And is there something else maybe I'm missing? I thought you did something at a church. Did you do oh, yeah, at we church? used to like do the during, Aesop Fables. Yeah, during The Fringe, we would do um, ASAP Fables, which was like a 72 hour. Play at a church. Oh, wow. Um, and so at the um, Hollywood United Methodist Church. And, um, you know, you would create like a right. fable yeah. in 72 hours with little pieces of whatever. And then you had a specific room that each uh, play took place in. And I think those are kind How of did the I only. Other... What
0: year did you do that? How did I miss that? Mm, was it twelve thirteen? I, 12, I think, 13? maybe? 11, that, had, that had to be the thing. Because I was, I was covering Fringe, but I wasn't. I wasn't super focused on on this yet, so that's why. Yeah, darn. It. And
2: we were like kind of off the path of fringe. Yeah, you know, all the way up there.
0: This is going to be an interesting year because with with the hills having moved to Portland, like the the core of the structure is still here, and I have faith that this year there's still going to be that fighting, but it's going to be this real big test because Theodore has been decimated. I mean, that's sort of yeah. way it feels right. Theodore has been decimated. Ironically, right after they get that sign, it was almost like that's like. That sign that they put, because for those who are not, those in New York who do not care, like whatever, LA theater complaining, um, theater row is this stretch of Santa Monica where there's the complex and and a few other theaters, and it used to be a, a lot more just two years ago, and it's sort of the heart of where the Hollywood Fringe is, and for twenty years or so now it's been it's been the heart of the indie small ninety nine seat theater scene in LA, and last year right around before Fringe. Uh, it was designated an official historic district. So there's a sign uh, you put up at one of the street corners. And almost as if that was the tombstone. Like, the second that <laughs> sign went up, the theater just started closing. It's like, well, here's the historic district. Because once upon a time, this is where this stuff used to happen. And once upon a time was last year. So it's, it's scary right now yeah. in terms of what's going on. Um, I mean, luckily, the Comedy Central stage, which, which you right. manage, is, is yeah. there. And, and yeah. that's, got, that's got a nice... Backer, yeah. that's that <laughs> yeah, you know that's to, keep, in there. to yeah. keep it alive. But like yeah. a block away, there's a space that's gone, and two blocks up the street, yeah. there's a space that's gone, and it the, the chemical nature of it's changing. And yet, mm-hmm. I feel like this sort of nomadic Bedouin mm-hmm. theater is something that's so suited to Los Angeles. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. is, is it a logistical reason why you think people aren't diving in stuff more because? I talk with some of my friends and they're like, well, there's so much space here, you know, because there is. But at the same time, it's not like London where a real estate developer is going to get a giant tax break for letting us run around one of their in-development or redevelopment office parks, which is what Theatre Delicatessen gets to do. I
1: mean, you know, speaking for me, I I just felt that it was always important to have a purpose behind it or intent behind it. Mm. You know, doing plays in cars... Is gimmicky, yeah. You know, it's gonna get sudden interest of oh, they're doing a play in a car. I'll go check that out. You know, or if you get thirty people together, and obviously we're always pulling from our friends and families to come see our shows, then you're gonna get kind of a built-in audience with it. But behind yeah. it, there was something a little bit more about it. It was kind of commenting on on LA in a way about how car cultured we are and how addicted we are to our vehicles. And for me. So many memories I have in my car are parked car memories, kissing my wife for the first time in a car, or being broken up in a car, or mm. having that isolation uh, in a car of of you know, having a, a really crappy car, and I would have to leave for school really early, because if I was in traffic, my car would overheat, so I would leave at 6.30 in the morning, and I would sit in the parking lot at Cal State Los Angeles, because there was no traffic. And I would just sit there and sit there knowing that this is the vehicle that I had, and, yeah. and and this is my only form of transportation in this vast city, and I couldn't go at certain times of the day because I was limited to the type of car that I had. Mm-hmm. So all these things, I think, built a purpose of why the car place happened for me, or what the inspiration was behind it, or what the... The intent was behind it. Uh, there has to be that purpose, like the reason for the, the event. This story has to happen in a parked car. Now, for me, I saw um, uh, years ago, Cornerstone did Every Man in the Santa Monica Mall. And it was at 9 o'clock at night, after the mall had closed, and we were walking around the mall, maybe about 25 of us, and all of a sudden there'd be a, a, something happening in the store window, where all of a sudden every man was on top of the third story of the Santa Monica Mall, and we were on the first story. And it just, you know, a play that I would never see, that I read in college, that I would have no interest <laughs> of seeing every man in, in, on a traditional stage, yeah. All of a sudden, it opened up all this wonder and enjoyment for me because I had a relationship with the Santa Monica Mall and how they transferred it to using this space and telling the story and modernizing a little a little bit of it and making a fantasy of a little bit yeah. and commenting on the on our merchandising and our commercialism through every man a little bit yeah all of a sudden it opened up all these areas for me for this dated play that i had to read once in college <laughs> yeah. that i would never want to go see again
0: well, I mean, it was a mystery play that was played like you know in the in front of churches yeah yeah and yeah. That's a brilliant thing to like, oh let's take this play that used to be performed right in churches and put it in our church yeah a mall right
1: yeah right? That's so genius. so that always really stuck with me and it just made of you know like anything it's such a competitive nature in Los Angeles there's so many people there's so many theater companies there's so many how do you track that audience that's just more within your community How yeah. do we become more than that yeah. how do we reach out to broader scope? I mean, we've been blessed to being um, asked to come down to San Diego three times to do the show. We now have a community of San Diego theater goers that know the car plays. It is a branded, like, we're going to go see the car plays. That is in their, you know, theater going culture now. That is important to them. And I think, how do you do that with a little theater company in Los Angeles? How do you just make it within, you know, broader specter? Is it? You get a star actor to be in it. You get the hit play. You get a, you do a fantastic production. How do you broaden your scope a little bit? Yeah. Um, and that's what's been wonderful about the car plays, is that it's had those legs to kind of reach an Orange County audience, a San Diego audience, obviously a Los Angeles audience. Um, could, you know.
0: it, could it travel out of the Southland? Because, I mean, car culture is, because of the way we do sprawl, um, to the point where actually the distances seem larger than they are. Yeah, yeah. Be- because of traffic, of course, but uh, when you, you hit it on the right day, you're like, "Oh, this is not far at all. Like, what's only how many minutes to Fullerton? Geez!" Right. <laughs> but not on a Friday. Um, could could it? I mean, maybe like maybe in Las Vegas, but not really. Las Vegas is like you have to have a car, but it's not really broken out the same way I couldn't imagine it but I think being every city
1: has every city has those relationships with the weather and their car you know if yeah. you're doing your play in the in the northeast right now <laughs> and, and and your car is covered with you know a foot of snow <laughs> But that's that's a it's different a way. But, but but that's a different way of that relationship that you have with your car yeah. within, within that time, or in Portland with all the rain, or or Seattle, or wherever. I think it could. I think you would have to then mine those stories right. from those communities that would fit that car. I yeah. think that would be important. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I wrote a play called Disneyland, and and it's a it's a, a one actor. It's a dad. Um, and he stops the car and he yells at his kids, threatening, we're not, we're not going to Disneyland because you kids are not shutting up. Well, the kids are the audience in the back seat, So it's that breaking of the fourth wall. Well, obviously Disneyland or any type of amusement park you can use if you're in another city or another state but we have such relationship with Disneyland. We have that, how many times did our parents take us to Disneyland and we would act up being excited on the way there, and our parents were like, if you don't shut up, I'm gonna turn this car around. And that's what I had growing up here in Los Angeles, those stories as a kid and those memories as a kid. And that's why I kind of
0: wrote, wrote that
2: play. I
0: would completely relate to that one <laughs> yeah. by far. I was, I was born, I lived most of my life in the Bay Area, but I was born in Orange County. So I like to say in the shadow of the Matterhorn. Yeah. It's actually some of my earliest memories are uh, we lived in Anaheim and you could see the Matterhorn from the front porch. So yeah. it, was, uh, it was right there. Yeah, Unavoidable. But, um, you know, but, but there's,
1: you know, people have always said to me, well, why don't you do the subway plays? Or, or in New York City, they had the apartment plays for a while where people yeah. were staging little plays in, mm-hmm. in their, you know, five-story walk-ups. And you would take an audience that's ready to legally go up to each apartment without getting yelled at by the neighbors. So there's always been a way of trying to use your community yeah. of the story that, like, you want to tell there and with the environment that I think is important to you. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there was a, in Vegas last year, I just found out about this, there was a, it's it's based off, I can't remember, it's based off a a well-known piece that's French, the the hotel's in the title, but they went and they staged it in in a hotel, and, like, there's nothing more natural than staging, you know, something in a hotel in Las Vegas, because, like, Las Vegas is, like, just a giant hotel uh, filled with guys, you know, slapping... Cardboard cards against their hands uh, for strip clubs. Uh, that, sound, yes, right? that sound I associate that <laughs> yeah, sound with <yeah>. Las <laughs> yes. Vegas right now. Yes. Like that's burned in my brain. Um, but I think people,
1: you know, yeah. just to add, I think, I think even without even. Not necessarily theater, but stand-up comedy. You know, Hmm. years ago, everybody was doing stand-up comedy in a laundromat. Yeah. There there were open mics because they were looking for a forced audience, right? Right. (laughs) Yeah. They they were sick of doing stand-up for nobody except for comics, you know, at an open mic. So for a while, there was a lot of open mics that were popping up in laundromats, and like that became like the norm for about a year and a half. Um, and I think now... I probably would have
0: stuffed someone in a dryer, <laughs> a pop, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> but,
1: but why was that? That was because there was a place that people go to that have to wait out a certain amount of time, yeah. that, that you have an inherent built-in audience. Why not we turn this one use and make it, a mixed use or make it uh, a a difference use. So I I don't know. I think I think people are always looking for different areas to explore.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, there's definitely a joy to like the gorilla thing. I mean I yeah. came out of I came out of a show one night and found a puppet show like on a corner. This was, like at the edge of Koreatown. And I was like completely enchanted by the puppet show. And also like it was the last thing on earth that I was expecting was to find like a puppet show taking place on a, on a literally on like a street corner in Koreatown. Uh, not a major one, but like about a block away from one house, I was just like, "Holy goodness! This feels, this, it didn't feel very Los Angeles, but it felt hmm. it felt um, it felt otherworldly even." And then I, I guess last night there was one of the, the the night markets happened, which is where they get a bunch of box trucks and um, it's sort of on a need-to-know basis, almost, uh, completely underground. And, like, there will be art installations or, or something in each of the box trucks. And they gather them all around, and, like, a certain time they open them all up, and then they happen. And I'm not one of the cool enough kids. I saw a couple of people I know, like, taking photos and putting it on Twitter. And I was like, no, no one told me this was mm-hmm. going on last night. Like, why? Um, but, like, that sort of, that sort of, like, off the beaten path. Mm-hmm. In some ways, because it's hard to, to lock down a, a venue, and in other ways, because we're One of the reasons why I started No Priscinum is that we're we're so used to getting, so used to the relationship we have to like, this is the theater or Mm this is the this is the TV or this is the screen like watch this happens over there, and it, it 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 blocks that connectivity that you can have with the performers, which is something that, you know the car is a great venue for that because it's like a crucible like there's there's no way that the performer can't see how you're reacting, that you can't see how the performers are reacting right. to you and create yeah. that feedback loop, uh, which can either be something that, like, I can imagine there are people who, like, really do not like that. It's like, right. like, I'm, I'm up too close for that. Although the great thing about doing it in the context of something like WOW is that people are coming, seeking out that sort of um, experience. Has Have you seen, you mentioned San Diego has this relationship. Uh, have you seen over the the arc of you guys doing this, audiences start to really understand what this is and and what it's about? Because I've I've been to shows and seen the car plays is a little bit different because like you know you've got an assigned seat mm-hmm. luckily, um, but I see other shows where it's more freeform and people kind of wander around and people just kind of like naturally form a proscenium. But like this this altering of the relationship of the audience to the performers. Throws, throws some people. Are, are people coming around to this now? Are they kind of getting it? Or is, has it always just been... It's, it's simpler because, like, sit in that seat, don't move, don't touch anything. You know, you've got those rules for the audience as much as you have for the performers. What do you think?
2: Uh, I don't know. I guess I don't know so much about the relationship that people are having with the audience, but mm-hmm. I do feel like... I guess in the you know last three years of, or not last three, three years of, but whatever last three times that we've done it, people are understanding like what's happening on campus there. Mm. You know, there's a lot more sort of just understanding of like oh this is that car thing or this is that like weird play thing you know yeah. that I hear about. Um, so you know whatever La Jolla is doing or you know team with uh, the team with the Wildfest WOW is doing to sort of promote that understanding and engagement yeah. is working, yeah. you know, but I don't, I guess I can't speak necessarily to the oh relation that people are having with yeah. I think there were actors. so many uh,
1: return patrons to the car plays that had seen it, and um, mm. down at the Playhouse that, that had seen it in, in, in the two prior times that, that, that we had performed there, so they didn't care what the name of it was this time. That it was CarPlay Interchange, or it was going to be a narrative, or it, you know, they knew the product, they knew the brand, they knew the experience that they had. Yeah. They brought friends that once they told their friends at an outing, at a di- over dinner. Oh, I went to the show. You know, they brought their friends with them this time. It was word of mouth going. No, you have to see this show. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. People that worked at the Playhouse, um, they told their parents, they brought their parents, they brought their loved ones, their spouses. So, so it, it did have, you know, being there for a third time, it did have that built in, I experienced the show, I want you to experience the show, and then bringing people to it, or people going, I'm going to see it again. I need to see it again, regardless of what the fifteen plays are, or if it is going to be like a narrative through line this time. I need to experience this again. Yeah. So, so I, I think that's been that's been wonderful. There's always a surprise of just you know once you you tell the people how to go or don't open the doors. You know there's there's always the the funny moments of audience members putting on their seatbelts and it's like you're not going anywhere but (laughs) if you feel like almost inherently trained you know that it just becomes that yeah we've seen people do that um some people that are still unfamiliar with it there was somebody who was claustrophobic and didn't realize that this place took place in a car um and they said as long as you keep the door open because we always close the doors for the audience as long as you keep the door open i think it'll be okay to sit in the play and we're like okay uh, so we would just kind of leave the door open where that person was, was sitting in the back seat mm-hmm. as said, they moved up from car to car. Yeah. And that's what we just kind of whispered to the actors as the show was going on, going, it's okay, just just go with it. Yeah. Um, there's been, uh, a, you know, you mentioned, a, like, this is too close to me. Yeah. There have been some people that have um, shut down, in a way, you yeah. could tell. We had a, a play that, uh, f- fortunately, was about um, a, a dying pet And a person literally experienced that that day. Um, So because of the moments of what happened with them, because of the... Now, if you were at a theater and if there was a distance from it, maybe you would have gotten uh, dealt with the play. They yeah. literally got out of the car because of the proximity. Yeah. Yeah. It was too close to them. Yeah. The actors felt horrible. The actors came out. All the other 14 plays are going on at the same time. Yeah. We try to console these people, and it's like, it's not you. Yeah. It's what was happening to me personally at that moment. But because they were talking about it at right here, yeah. I couldn't handle it right yeah.
0: now. It's the kind of thing that in a theater someone might be able to... Ex- it might. You never know. Like it might help. It might be like, oh, here's the catharsis I need, and like you yeah. can sit there in the dark and you can just weep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're trying to hold it together yeah. because you don't want to disrupt the show. Yeah, and so yeah, that's that's intense.
1: There was there was uh, an immersive experience. Uh, it was uh, Bukowski um, short stories that that <laughs> were turned into plays, and and it was in the round. And we were all sitting on the floor, and the staging was all over the space, and it was just a black box, and mm. uh, it was 99 seats, and it was closing night, uh, and I finally got to see the show. Uh, and this was years ago, this was almost like 20 years ago. And they had turned out the lights, and it was a home invasion. Oh. And they, they were doing the scene in flashlights, and there was a woman in the audience that it made, it made her very uncomfortable. Yeah. And she started screaming and screaming and screaming, mm-hmm. and the actors would stop, and there would be quiet, and then the actors would try to pick it up again, and she'd start screaming and screaming and screaming, and then the actors would stop, and then and then other audience members were commenting, "Hey, lady, be, should, will you be quiet? Will you shut up? We're trying to watch the show." You know, wow. kind of. Then all of a sudden, yeah. And then after the third time, they turned on the work lights, and we all kind of just sheepishly walked out of the theater as this woman is sobbing and bawling, oh, but wow. because of that immersive experience there wasn't that proscenium, there wasn't that yeah. distance. Because we were all in this square space, in the dark, with actors, yeah. with flashlights, it, it couldn't help but trigger something maybe emotionally. Now maybe she yeah. would have had that, that's, that same experience, or maybe the, the person that had put down their pet, if they had seen that play on stage, maybe they would have had the same experience. But I think of the proximity. Yeah, it just heightened that that emotional status for yeah. them.
0: Yeah, and that's and that's something that's a tricky thing. It's like how how do you deal with? It's funny. It reminds me of um, the nerdiest thing I used to do, which was uh, live action role playing, which has some mm-hmm. has some relation to this sort of sure. thing. It's and in some some people some people make this stuff like they use that model, um, particularly when they're like casting the audience into like oh the, the audience will have some sort of agency in the show so start thinking those terms but one thing we were always conscious of was the idea that well you know someone might come and like I wanted them to leave their their baggage you know uh, at the door and we're gonna we're gonna go play now but inevitably someone's having you know a person is a person like yeah. you can't really and like and in yeah. rehearsal this happens all the time like you find someone someone's like going off on the line and you're like oh John, what's up today, you know? Like you gotta take the person aside and like talk them down. It's like, okay, maybe this is taking and you see when an actor starts absorbing, you know, elements of their character and like, you know, going off in their own life and starts doing sort of strange stuff, you know? Like that's the glory of it, but also like the, the part that's scary and, and when you start seeing that happen in the audience, it's like not everyone's equipped to be like, Oh, hey, are you do you need to go do you need to yeah, go yeah, outside? Yeah, yeah. Like we can we can stop, we can we can yeah. we can take you out. Like it's okay, you know. But yeah. it's
1: funny, you know. Also, you know, Lemons had mentioned that, like, we had this classic car. We had the, it was a 1947 mm. uh, LaSalle or 1940 yeah. LaSalle. It's amazing. I was sitting in it. I missed that part. Well, uh, <laughs> it was like You're so pretty. Most yeah. people were, were were very respectful of the car, uh, but certain people were like, "Oh, look at this," and they started playing with the car and so that's also you yeah. know you know or people will are used to their own car or getting into somebody else's car oh this the seat's a little too close to me or they start rolling rolling down the windows or yeah. they start leaving things in the car so we we all have a relationship with that vehicle or, or or with that entity and when you're in a in a theater or in a house you're just dealing with obviously the audience seats yeah. and, and your relationship with that but because we all have these personal relationships with with our own cars and our own vehicles we sometimes transform that into
0: everybody's car correct yeah, yeah. something that I don't entirely get because I like when'm in someone else's car I'm like all like oh hey this is your car your rules um, but some people just don't have an inherent sense of the rules of hospitality I guess it almost uh, because like you know
1: yeah. everybody gets a free rent you know like rent a car you know like a, a rental and then yeah. you see, do anything you want with a rental oh it's a rental yeah. i'll have it for yeah. a week i'll just return it who cares i've got the yeah. total destruction insurance yeah. let's yeah. go
0: jump this thing you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but,
1: but um, i'm curious though with uber and Lyft, like how much of that is going to change how we have relationships with other people's cars or if it's so easy to get into somebody's cars or if you are an uber or Lyft driver what do you show them uh or what do you reveal to them yeah. in your own Personal vehicle, yeah. Man, like,
0: the, the fact that once in a while someone will still try and like get into my car, like I'm so glad that like the the iconography of what is and isn't uh, a, an Uber or a Lyft is pretty well set now. Yeah. But there's a, there's still people who are just like they just walk through life with a sense of entitlement beyond entitlement, and they you if, if there's a car at a corner and they're waiting on an <laughs> Uber, they will just start get out. And, it's, and it's like get, no f you, this yeah. is not. I'm not. I often say I'm not a goddamn Uber. You know, like oh, no. Geez. You know, like that sort of thing. It, it it it's rare when it does happen. It tends to happen in Echo Park, um, but uh, and it only happened like once last year. But in the, in the previous years, it happened it happened a little more often. Okay. Um, and it's the kind of problem that, it was never a problem with taxis, right. you know. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing, I find it, it's similar, it's analogous to like being in like a Target and like someone walks up and says like, hey, do you know where this is on this aisle? And I'll look down, I'm like I'm not wearing a red shirt. Like Target's easy. Like it's red in yeah. Target and yeah. blue in Best right. Buy. And yeah. like, don't ask a person, like I'm in a black shirt. Oh, you must know what's going on. I'm like, I don't know. I said that, that face or something. A customer service face. Shudder. Um, hey, um, what's what's... Up next, what do you guys have cooking, just in in general? It doesn't doesn't have to be on on the immersive side of things.
2: Um, I mean, I don't think we have anything immediately for car plays. Um, But for Moving Arts, we just started our third season of Mad Lab, which is our development, uh, new play development program. Uh, That's a nine month process. Mm. uh, That'll have a first look September 17th and 18th. Uh, And then we're working on burners which is a play by Terrence Anthony, directed by Sarah Wagner, that will go up <clears throat> in the fall, I believe.
0: Excellent. Yeah. And, the, and what space is that going to head up in?
2: I think we're trying to still figure that out. Yeah. Because I think they're trying to sort of play, at least last time I talked with Darren, and uh, Darren Anthony, artistic director, mm-hmm. now current artistic director of Moving Arts, and CCTO is producing the play. Um, there had been some talk of maybe trying to sort of toe that line of uh, of putting it in a non- theater space oh so we'll see if that
0: if that winds up happening yeah Yeah. we'll we'll be we'll be uh, we'll be chuffed if it does so Paul what do you what do you got Uh,
1: I'm just a a freelance director and I'm working with uh, Antonio Sacre he's a one person show performer and storyteller and he's working on a new show and I've directed uh, I guess his last four shows and we're trying to work on something right now. Maybe it'll be at the Hollywood Fringe. I know we're going to, to take it down to San Diego and sh- uh, show the playhouse. So that's kind of what, where we're at.
0: Excellent. Well, gentlemen, thank you for uh, for giving me the origin story and <laughs> talking to philosophy with the car plays today. Uh, thanks, thanks for having us. us. Thank Absolutely. You. All right, I want to thank Paul Stein and Len Thornton for coming on the show today and illuminating the origin story of the car plays. If you get a chance, whether it's here in LA or in San Diego at the next wow Fest to check it out. Uh, you should, it's good. It is always good. If anything, I wish that there was just like a regular event for it. Uh, but it's, it's quite the production feat. Hey, we've already told you to go check out medium.com slash no dash proscenium for a review. We've already told you to go to patreon.com slash no proscenium to help out the podcast, to help out uh, prep the newsletter for the future. Uh, We'll tell you to go to Facebook and search no proscenium and follow us on there. A lot of the archive links get put up uh, and occasional things that come through the Facebook feed. Not super diligent about it because uh, in my heart of hearts, I have a love hate relationship with Facebook. More hate than love. Um, Twitter which I adore uh, But doesn't know what it should do with itself uh, Do with itself uh, That's at no proscenium. If for some reason uh, you, you're, you're personally interested In what I have to say about Other things I don't know why you would be I'm an idiot uh, At Noah J. Nelson on Twitter And yeah that's uh, That's the show um, There's going to be uh, H&G the Hansel and Gretel piece Is coming up I'm going to be there Uh, Checking that out Uh, Oh, oh, special bonus I forgot about this at the beginning For news and notes Hey, uh, if you made it this far Boy, uh, one, why But two, here's a hot tip If you are listening to this on Friday Or early on Saturday That's the 29th or the 30th And you're in Los Angeles A night on Broadway It's this big art walkie thing uh, That's going on a bunch of the old theaters are going to be open up and having shows like live shows. There's going to be cabaret pieces. Two bit circus is going to be there. God, I really wish I did this at the beginning, but this is a special. So I get to tell everyone to listen at the end. Ha ha ha. Funny. Um, now you really hate me. Uh, I'm putting a posse together and we're just going to kind of run around. There's a thing called rebel bingo that I've always been meaning to check out. And here's the thing. It's all free. Reggie Watts is doing a show. Free. Rachel Bloom of Crazy Ex Girlfriend uh, is doing a show. Still haven't seen that show, but I did see her at a storytelling show once do a, a storytelling duet with her husband that was hilarious. Uh, still one of my favorite pieces of that one. Um, and I've seen a lot of that show. Uh, she's doing a show. Free. Lost Angels, who do the uh, goth immersive speakeasy thing here in LA, which I still need to check out, they're doing some cabaret stuff. Free. The Los Angeles is open. The Million Dollar is open. The Globe. The Ace. I mean, if you like old movie theaters, you gotta get out there. Oh my God. Um, Maybe I'm excited about that. It's gonna be a good weekend, everybody. And I hope to see you at the show.